may be seated. Uh, it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, it's good for our family to have a, a week off also, uh, just to uh, recharge and uh, be able to come back and uh, share some important things with you. And so, yeah, kids, as you remember, uh, you're heading out up to fifth grade upstairs uh, for our children's church time. Uh, just a few things I wanted to share with you before we get started. And if you don't know, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. Uh, we like to welcome you if you're online uh, or in person, and uh, we hope this is a good experience for you. Uh, and so just a couple things I wanted to mention to you. Um, as I was away last week, I just appreciate uh, Bryce, uh, our uh, chairman of deacons, sharing uh, with us the word uh, and all the wonderful things that he shared about heaven and hell and just the importance to remember uh, for us why that's important. Uh, and <clears throat> we have a, it's just going to be a special vote coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll have directly after the service. It'll be for uh, Butch Gerald, who spoke a couple of weeks ago uh, on our Mission Sunday. Uh, what we'd like to do is use some of the missions funding that we have uh, and support them. And if you'd like some more specific details about that, uh, you can see Erwin Crosby, and he'd be glad to talk to you about that, okay? Uh, and so uh, just in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be having that vote um, to give some of that funding towards uh, Butch Gerald and his ministry. Uh, and a special uh, note for us today, too, uh, my mom's here, Melissa Davis, and uh, we've been really glad to have her here uh, for this last week. Uh, we've also had my brother-in-law, Tyler, and my sister, Michelle Yates, and their little guy, Judah. And so they were here with us this week for a reason. Uh, they are candidating at a church uh, here in western New York. Uh, it's First Baptist Church Wilson. And if you don't know where that is, it's just kind of northeast of Niagara Falls, right on the water. So uh, a beautiful place from what I've been told. Uh, so they're candidating there this morning. So in about a week or two, uh, they're gonna, their church is going to vote after he's speaking right now. Uh, and uh, they'll vote on them coming or not. So I just appreciate if you guys would pray for them and just God's direction on that. Uh, and so with that, uh, we'll go ahead and head into the message for today. And so we've been off for about a month. Can you believe it? A month from our series. Uh, maybe some of you were like, yay, we got a break. Uh, maybe others, uh, you're glad we're coming back to this. And so uh, I know I am, and uh, it's always a joy for me just to get to walk through sections of text with us together. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Psalm chapter 13. Uh, go ahead and grab those and turn to Psalm chapter 13. And the series that we're in is New Life. Uh, if we've been thinking about new life lately, probably a lot of us have, uh, we've had a, a wonderful uh, new life. Welcome to the Farrell family who are with us today, and so we're excited about that. And little babies here with us in service. So if you hear him, just you know, praise Lord for new life. Uh, but for the rest of us, we've been thinking about new life in different ways. So coming out of kind of a strange season, uh, out of COVID. Wait, are we still in it? Uh, so we're still kind of in that mindset, and we're going like, what does new life look like? You know, uh, we've been kind of longing for that and going. You know, we we hope there's a time when things look a little bit different, but we know. There's some things that are here to stay. And so the focus of the message today is just on living trust, uh, living trust. If we were to go about life and go through difficult seasons, especially uh, recently, we would probably ask this question, what do we really trust in? Um, I even know pastors that I've talked with that said, who were doing ministry for years, that said, I didn't really know what it was to believe until I was talking to a camera on Sunday morning, until I couldn't have any interaction with people, and then I was asked, can you still do ministry? Is this still what you're supposed to do? Not knowing how long we'd be doing that, you know, separate from each other. And so we have to ask ourselves that question, who is, who's the one thing that we trust in? And if there's a question I had to put around this, it would just be this. It's up on the screen. 
uh, who is your trustee? Now, we have trustees of the church, and so they handle a lot of things, kind of help us put together uh, the work day, and kind of lead in areas like that. So I want to thank uh, those individuals for doing that, um, and I'm grateful for that. But we all have a, a trustee, right? We manage things. We do things in a certain way, and we trust in certain things, whether or not it would be your financial uh, planner or, or uh, maybe um, it's the, the person who is your friend at work who, uh, who has it in good for you, and, and there's going to be a promotion for you, so we trust in that. And so I just have this question, because we all trust in different things, and as we were taking some time off, I don't know if hopefully the slide's on there, um, I, I have a hobby, and motorcycles, okay? Uh, and so uh, I love, and you're just going out and riding, and we were taking some time off last week, and so I was just going to go and ride, and so I was getting everything out, and I was excited about it, and uh, I get the motorcycle out in the driveway, and like I normally do, I you know, put the kickstand out, right? Because everybody does that. So I put the kickstand out, and I start the motorcycle. It's a little older. It's 2006, so it's still got a carburetor. So you've got to warm it up a little bit. And so it's sitting there running, and I start to walk away from it. I don't think anything of it, right? Uh, and so as I'm walking away, what I don't realize is the motorcycle is starting to scoot down the driveway, and, uh, which is terrifying, you know, if you know what's going on. Uh, but I didn't know because I was walking away. Well, I hear this crash, and the kickstand had come out from the motorcycle, and it landed a few inches away from my leg. And so immediately I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, that I didn't get, you know, my leg crushed. Then I was a little bit upset, right? And so I picked it back up and I was thinking, man, that's, that's frustrating, right? And so we, we all trust in different things, right? And so you'd expect things to work a certain way, right? When you get in your car in the morning, you expect it to start when you turn it on, right? Uh, many of us, if you ride a motorcycle, you expect your kickstand to stay in place when you leave it right? And so that didn't happen. So to my surprise, I quickly got it up. I, 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 was, I was going, okay, now what's going on? Because I've got fluid spilling out of it now. And uh, I didn't realize until I looked closely, uh, this uh, radiator reservoir for all the coolant, it's nice blue stuff in a motorcycle, it's green in a car. Uh, it was spilling out of it. And there was this giant hole in my radiator reservoir. And so I said, well, I guess I'm not going to get to go riding today, right? But a lot of things let us down. So I just have this, you know, this thought I want you to think about. You can turn to the next slide. Everything except for God lets us down, right? So you can see my motorcycle now. It's in pieces because I have to fix it, right? Uh, and so that's just kind of part of life, right? Uh, whether it be just the, the possessions, the things that we have, or even people in our life let us down from time to time. And we come to this place of just, man, God, what do I do in those situations? How do I process that? Well, with a vehicle or motorcycle, it's easy. You just fix it, right? With people, it's a little more difficult, yeah? And with the situations in our life, with work, and, and just trying to navigate this season has been pretty hard, right? It's not just a matter of swapping out a part that's broken. It's a broken situation, right? But we know. We, walk, we live and walk in a fallen world, and so I think David has some answers for us as we walk through this text, because sometimes we fall into this place of despair, right? But when we go back to this place of we realize everything in life, Everything, whether it be, a, a, again, a piece of property or a person or a job, whatever it is, those things have the potential and will let us down from time to time. And so where do we go? Well, David has the answer to this. And so go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 13, if you're not there already. And so we have um, this hope in God. We know that through Jesus who's come and he's died on the cross for our sins. He was raised on that third day uh, so that we can have hope in eternal life. When it comes down to it, we really need probably some, some guiding lines for how to live life, how to do things. We think that's great. We have hope in salvation. Uh, but what did David say? Well, if you're new to the book of Psalms, you might be asking some of these same questions. 
We know that David wrote over half the Psalms. Uh, Ezra was a guy who compiled this uh, for a number of authors and, and made this the book of Psalms that's in our canon of Scripture in the Old Testament. And if you look to kind of the whole purpose of the book of Psalms, it's just this, this walking through the seasons of life and being able to go, in the good times, we love and we worship God. In the bad times, we love and we worship God. And we, today, will figure out how do we trust Him even when things don't go exactly the way they're supposed to, even when we have some really honest thoughts. That it, by the way, it's okay to share with God and it's okay to share with each other. Um, that's what we're here for. And so with that, walking into the, really the first point, it's the complaint the complaint. And so uh, go ahead and fill that in there. And verses 1 and 2, uh, we're going to walk through. And so verse 1 uh, says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And so at first glance, when you read this, you think, wow, that's, that's kind of sad. That's kind of depressing. I think of you know, conversations you have with like your kids growing up, right? And like you take away the toy, and there's that dramatic expression of, how long will you forget me, God? They took my favorite toy, right? Or, uh, no, we, we know that. Christy and I do because that happens all the time, right? You discipline your kids. Or maybe when they get a little bit older, you take away the car keys because they didn't make a good choice. And they're like, Mom and Dad, you must hate me. Okay, yeah, we still love you, but you're grounded for two weeks, right? No car, whatever else. And you don't love me. You just hate me, right? And so there's that dramatic expression. So in a similar way, uh, David and his relationship with God, when things aren't going so well, and I I really believe this psalm is kind of addressed to the whole of David's life. Uh, Most scholars would not attribute this to any one event in David's life, but I think it's really David walking through and looking at his life and going, here's where I was kind of at the lowest, right? And here's where I was at the highest, and here's how I can kind of help you, right? So God's giving this to David as kind of a, a guideline for how we can approach really all situations in life. And so we've, we've experienced this before, right? We've felt this before, and it's okay to be honest with God. I think sometimes we, we read things like this, and we're like, David, right? King David, man after God's own heart, like, ha, ha. Like, you really should have had a better attitude there. Uh, that's not really okay to say to God. But the truth is that God has like this complaint box that's, that's never ending, right? We can just keep putting stuff in it. And then, you know what he does? Not like some people, right? There's like, a, there's like an opening that goes to the trash can, some businesses, right? Or it just it disappears. They let it, you know, fill up. And you're like, I don't think they're checking this thing. It's like crayon full of complaints, right? But David, when he offers a complaint, and many people do throughout the Bible, God many times answers, and he gives us direction on this. And so in verse 2, and we felt this way too, so we, maybe we felt like, hey, it's been, it's been forever. You're going to forget me forever. How long will you hide your face from me? And in verse 2, it says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Um, and, and maybe as you read these couple of verses, I think there's probably some things that would resonate with you uh, within the last year, um, if not like being in the middle of not being able to like do life normally or go to work, do those kind of things, as we've tried to make things work. Um, and I know we have a lot of teachers, we have a lot of healthcare workers, uh, people who work in those fields, um, and you guys are awesome and amazing because I feel like you've kind of carried the brunt of that. How do, how do we adjust and make things work? In the season, and if I were to guess, as you read this, you probably go, yeah, I think I may have felt like that in this season. I think I may have been like that, and I too. And honestly, as we were trying to lead the church in that season and, and looking at a camera, you know, for months on end was not really where I wanted to be, honestly. And so I had to come to this place where I was going, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted 
over me. And so David's, he's not in the best of places, right? But it's not like we can hide this from God. I mean, we hide it from people regularly, don't we? We shouldn't from the family of faith. We fear judgment, but that shouldn't be the place here for us, right? We should be able to share what's going on and say, family, here's what I'm going through. How can you help me? And God, in the same way, he just says, look, the complaint box, it's never ending. It's never going to be filled up so far that you can't put something in there, and I'm going to just sit there and hold you and talk to you about it. So how does David respond? Well, in the, uh, the focus of today, this living trust, we have to ask ourselves this question, um, who is our trustee? Who do we really trust to kind of manage everything in life? We try to keep control. We try to like, make things happen a certain way uh, so that we don't, maybe we feel like things are better than they are. Uh, but for David, where does he turn? He says this in verse 3, and this is the second fill in the blank, the prayer. Uh, the prayer. So where do we turn? He says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now, again, this is, this is pretty dramatic, but David's starting to turn the corner, and he says, consider and answer me, O Lord. What, what do we normally do Like when things are going really bad? like A lot of times we'll just get, we'll get mad at God, or we'll be like, God, you don't understand. I mean, you know, like the teenager does to the parent who takes the car keys or does something else, and there's discipline issues so that we might grow. There's a learning season. You go, God, you must not love me. You must not care about me. But what do we know? God is a good God, and he does care. And, and David shows us how we're supposed to approach God in these seasons. Not get mad, not get blamed, not run down the hall and slam the door. Say, I'm never talking to you again, right? But to sit there and go, God, I need your help, right? How often did we do that? I know I did all the time. I was like, God, well, I have no idea what we're doing. So we need your help on this, right? As the, as the deacon board got together and met over video and we, we talked about these things, what is church going to look like? We ask ourselves that question every single month when we meet. What does church look like? What does God want us to do? And it's a new season. I think it's really exciting for us because it's kind of a, a blank slate in this new season, this new life of ministry. What does God want us to do? Well, for starters, coming out of this place, David says, Consider and answer me, O Lord. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And so um, God gives us this trajectory. He um, uses this word in the Hebrew. It's the um, light up, God, light up my eyes. In the Hebrew, it's the word O. If you look at it, transliterated, it's O-R-E in the English. And uh, I love Hebrew because it's so complex. It like gives us a lot of things to think about. And it means to be or become light and to shine that light. So <clears throat> David is asking for this light to be given to his eyes so that not only he could see rightly in the situation going on, not to just, not to just go, oh, man, we should be in despair. Like, things are terrible and things are never going to get better. No, he says, light up my eyes. Help me to see well. And so as I was, I was reading through the message um, when Lana was a, a little baby to toddler, I would read through it. I would practice, you know, and so I like to do that just to keep it in my mind. Uh, and it, it was strange. For some reason, when I was going over it with her, uh, she would fall asleep, right? That's, you know, why would somebody fall asleep, right? <laughs> when you're presenting, you know, God's Word and the things that I had prepared. And so I said, okay, well, that's fine. You're young. And so yesterday, we were kind of reviewing it again. And she was sitting with me in my lap, and she was just engaged intently. And she could see all the words on my screen. So I had it on my computer, and um, she, she saw the Hebrew word, the O-R-E. And she's like, oh, Oreos. <laughs> I thought, uh, uh, well, actually, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, we're only missing one letter, right? O-R-E in the Hebrew or Light up my eyes, God. Show me what I need to see. And I'll be honest, sometimes, some days, right, 
You just need an Oreo. And so I said, Lana, that makes a lot of sense. Let's just get one of those because that's going to help us see things rightly, right? Uh, You see those Snicker commercials, it's like, you're not yourself when you're hungry, right? And especially to get a, a treat or something like that, you know, I feel better. I think I see things better, right? And so in the same way, you can thank Lana afterwards for, for that. In the same way, we've got we to gotta look at this and like David say, God, light up my eyes. Because if we're looking at things like the rest of the world, you turn on the news, you're going, there's all these new things to think about, all these new things to worry about, right? Well, luckily, we serve a God who's in charge. He's in control. He's the greatest trustee because he's the trustee of the entire universe, right? He manages everything. He takes care of everything. And, and why can't we trust him? Why can't we have this living trust? Well, maybe it's because we, we just need to change our perspective. We need to view him rightly. We need to take that uh, spiritual Hebrew Oreo, right? The or. And we need, to, uh, we need to say, God, give us that light. Help us to see better. And so I love this quote by this guy named Eusebius of Caesarea. He was a church father and historian. <clears throat> he said, the face of God, full of light, is a certain power. Isn't that good news? The face of God, full of light, is a certain power. It's not like, ah, I'm not sure if he's like powerful. I'm not sure. I mean, I know the Bible talks about that, but uh, it's kind of a question mark in my mind. No, Eusebius said the face of God, full of light, is a certain power. Uh, and I love that uh, we, we've been going through the book of Acts in the quiet time that Matt shared about that, kind of the end of the story for Stephen, but the beginning of the church because he was the first martyr. Uh, and so um, if you kind of were reading in the quiet time, you saw this passage where when Stephen first got brought on as a deacon uh, and he was carrying out the tasks and leading people spiritually and kind of handling the business of the church, uh, when people looked at him, it said that his face shone like the face of an angel. Whoa, where have you seen that before? Old Testament, Moses, he comes down off the mountain and people can't even look at him. So he's got to wear this veil because he's been in the presence of God. And so um, maybe if we could see God in this way, we could experience him in this way, our eyes full of light, maybe our whole being full of light as well. Now, I'm not saying if you're, you know, following God faithfully, you're going to go around just like shining, you know, like an angel. But yeah, these kind of things happened in the text and it points to this idea that uh, we should live differently, right? We should look differently. And so... David's not just saying, hey, light up my eyes so I can see correctly, but help me that I might have that light, that that light might also shine forth to other people, right? And so this is all tied together. This is, this is all throughout the scripture. Um, David's going back to a place of, God, I need your help, right? Because we all do. And so uh, verse 4, um, this, is the, this is the result of kind of not turning to God or not asking for that light or just going, you know what, I'm going to run down the hall and I'm going to slam the door like, and no offense, teenagers, I love you guys. We did student ministry for 10 years. So, uh, but I know, like, you struggle with that, right? You Like, do, does mom and dad love me if they're going to punish me, if they're going to discipline me? Yes, they actually love you even more, right? So a parent who doesn't love you does, says, do whatever you want. It'll go, it's going to go well, right? But God says, no, because I love you, I'm going to walk you through this season and help you understand how to walk. And David says in verse 4, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. So, so what happens when we don't do that? When we don't turn to God, we say, God, I mean, everything, like life is over, like what are we going to do, right? And there was some cause to be concerned, right? There has been. But David says, don't let this be the situation, God. Don't let my enemies prevail over me. Don't let this happen because I want what you have. I want the light. I want direction. So that's what he asks for. Uh, and then in verse 5, he's really kind of turned this full circle. So he's going from a place of like, uh, you've forgotten me, forever? Like, how long is this going to go on? You'll see that throughout the Psalms. David goes from a place of despair to this place of hope, to this place of joy, to this place of focusing on God's salvation 
And he says in verse 5, and this is the last one, the salvation, the salvation. There's this great rejoicing that's taking place, and it's because it says in verse 5, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Now, why does it, you know, I know we all know this, or we should, right? But, but why do you feel better? It's like you've had a tough day, and like you get in the car, and you're going home, and like, I just need to listen to some music. Um, you turn on some praise and worship, right? And you sing along with it, even if you can't sing. It's okay, just roll up the windows, right? So everybody else doesn't, you know, doesn't have to listen to that. But uh, you, you're singing, right? And then you're like, you get home, and you're like, man, I feel a whole lot better, right? I just feel better. And we come into this place, and we worship, and we sing, Lord, I lift your name on high, uh, which I, was, I love because um, when I was walking in and they were practicing that, I told the band, uh, I said, that's the first song I learned on guitar, right? Now, that, that's, that's awesome, is it, right? But it took me back to a place, right? Throwback, yeah, that's the purpose of it. So that I could go, man, I mean, how awesome has God been? How faithful has God been? I came from that place of, of being a teenager, like going like, I don't know what God wants me to do. And I don't really, if I'm being honest, I don't want to like go and lead worship. I don't want to go and speak in front of people. It terrifies me. It still does, right? But we're here. Thank you for everybody for being here. And, and we're doing this. And so, but I was in that place and I was just reminded of, man, God's been so faithful. And so David's going to go to this place. He's going to say, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. Steadfast love, in Hebrew, it's the word kesed. And it means uh, this, this loving kindness. It's like the greatest love that God could give to his people. Kesed, loving kindness kindness. And so you'll see that throughout the Psalms as well, um, that, that God offers this to us, right? He doesn't ask anything for it. He, he gives it to us um, throughout his word. And I like what um, this guy named uh, Cassidorius, he was another uh, church historian and ended up being a kind of an influential Christian leader. He was a senator in Italy in the 500s AD, and he, he got so fed up with the political scene, which yeah, we probably all have been lately, right? No comment. Uh, <laughs> so he got really fed up with that. Uh, and then uh, he, uh, he, he came to this place where he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to quit politics. I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. And he went and he started a monastery. And he said, I'm going to focus the rest of my life on just being devoted to God, his word, helping people understand uh, what that means. And he said this uh, about this kissed love of God. Uh, he said, the love of God is a spring shower of virtues under which a blessed desire begins to bud in holy action bears fruit. I think Cassidorius understood what uh, David was saying, because we've all been in that place, right? And from time to time, we, we get in this place of just despair and disappointment and discouragement. We go, God, <clears throat> what do we do? Where do we go? Well, David turns in prayer, and he says, God, we need your help. I need that light. I need to be able to see rightly. I need to be able to um, give that to other people because uh, David was also, he was, he was like a priest and king. He was the guy that he would talk to people about God, not just like tell people what to do. So he was a different king, and he led the people in the same way that this, this love of God, this cassette love of God, it's something to look forward to, to anticipate, to ask for. It was like the shower of virtues, a spring shower. Isn't that cool? We kind of think about we're going into spring, and uh, we see things blooming and coming up, and it's just like our faith, right? As we trust in the Lord, and Cassidorius knew this when he was thinking about the things that David said. He goes, we just need to go back to this place where we can focus on who God is and his wonderful blessing. As you guys drive around today too, I mean the sun's shining, you see those things like Matt said, see the trees blooming and it should put us in awe of God. It should make us think about these things but then turn us right back to him and say, God, how amazing are you that you've dealt with us in this way? And that's actually exactly what David said. So in verse six, 
he needs a reminder, right? And sometimes we just need to say these things to ourselves when we're disappointed, when we're discouraged, and we need a help. We need encouragement. Sometimes we receive that from others, from God's word. But sometimes we just need to say, God, I need that help. I need that light. Remind me who you are. Remind me what you've done and what you, ha- what you have done and what you're going to do, what you're doing right now. Sometimes we lose perspective, don't we? And so he says in verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And so what what are the tools that we have at our disposal, especially at fighting the enemy? Because as, you know, we've, we've kind of walked through this, and we know people have been struggling more, struggling more with depression and anxiety and, uh, and all the things that go along with that, the despair. What do we do? We need to remember the truth. And so like, like we've been throwing back to other songs, we remember what God has done. We sing those songs, and they take us back to a place, too, where we go, man, God, you were amazing then. Like, you're amazing now. I know there have been tough times but we trust you no matter what. We have this living trust that's greater. And so I'll sing to the Lord. If you don't believe me, just try it, okay? If you don't like the sound of your own voice, just turn up the radio and start singing to God, right? And somehow that makes things better, right? Sometimes I just need to do that. I just sit in my office uh, with a guitar and I just play through some of those things that I've known from the past as well. And he reminds me of his goodness, who he is. And then he says this, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Um, there's been, uh, this last year has been a really tough season for our family, for the world. I know uh, my mom who's here lost her dad, and so I went down, you guys know that, and uh, was there uh, the day before he passed and was able to talk to him uh, and just have that time and have the funeral. All while that was going on, my dad had multiple heart attacks, and so I was able to help there. But I just kept, Christy and I, as we were talking about it and praying, uh, we were just going, God, you've dealt so bountifully with us, right? We're so thankful. Now, in that situation, you can go, God, why do you not love us? Like, why are you allowing things to happen? Well, because in this fallen world, bad things happen, right? People we love pass away. This is part of living in a fallen world. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve took that fruit from the tree, he said, hey, just don't take of that one tree. And they did it anyway. And so sin is now part of our world. And so we have to be able to see these things rightly, not go, God, we blame you for everything bad that's taken place, but, but look at God and say, you still give us this kissed, this loving kindness. And then he uses this word in the Hebrew, because he has dealt bountifully, which is actually just one word again in the Hebrew. It's the word gamal. And it means to deal with fully or greatly. Um, it's used another place in First uh, Samuel one twenty two, uh, where Hannah has, she's been given Samuel, uh, she prayed to the Lord, if you remember, uh, at the temple, and so um, there's kind of this interesting interaction between her and the priest. She thinks she's kind of he's she's kind of out of it. She's like, "Are you okay? Like, have you been drinking? What's going on?" Uh, and and so she says, "No, I'm just praying to the Lord that He would give me a child." And and she says to God, "If you would give me a child, I would dedicate him to the work of you, to the work of the Lord." And so that's what God does. She gives him a child, and as she has him, he's a little baby at this point, little little baby Samuel. And as she's having this conversation with her husband, she says these words, and it's a, it's a different word here in the English, but I'll tell you why it's significant. She said, and it said, but Hannah did not go up. She's talking about going up to the temple. They went and had their yearly sacrifice. It says, for she said to her husband, her husband's name was Alcana, and she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, and that word there in the Hebrew, gamal, is weaned. It's also the same word for because he has dealt bountifully. So that as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him up so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. When Hannah was going to take her baby, her soon-to-be toddler, who was going to be given to the work of the Lord in the temple, and she was going to leave him there. And they were only going to see him once a year after that point for the rest 
of his life for the rest of their lives. And this word here for weaned is significant because as we were going, as I was going through, I was like, wean, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, why is the word wean the same for because he's dealt with us bountifully? Because, as David says here, and the focus that he's trying to give, like was here in 1 Samuel, is that God has taken care of us, right? Like a little baby, he's taken care of all of our needs. He's brought us through this season. And while uh, maybe things haven't gone exactly the way we wanted them to, we didn't have certain wants or things that we wish were a certain way, um, just like it says here, as soon as the child was weaned, and David says, because he's dealt bountifully. He's given me everything I've need. He's taken care of us, and he's given us those little blessings in between all of the difficulty to show us that he's still there, right? That he still loves us. That he's given us that kiss said, that loving kindness. You know, the interesting thing is that as we, we kind of navigated the season, us as a church too, uh, I've just been thanking the Lord for all the things that he's allowed us to be faithful in. Um, I think during a season like this um, and doing some things in the future, we hope to do some renovations and stuff um, that we're saving for. Um, you guys have been super faithful in that, right? Just to give what you normally would and give over and above. I know the Lord stretched Christy and I in that area also. Uh, but he's allowed us to be faithful, right, in a lot of things. And when we could come back to be in person together too, we've been faithful in that, gathering together. And just like David says, because he's dealt bountifully, as soon as the child is weaned, He's taking care of our needs, right? All the things that he's given to us, he's prepared us for a season, just like a child who's prepared to go off into the real world or to be able to eat solid food. He says, this is what I've prepared you for. And that's why I'm so excited. Like as we read things like this, God's preparing the church, his church, our church, for a new season, a new life of ministry um, that's, that's going to be filled with a lot of amazing things. You know, I know it. And it may look differently for us. It may not be exactly the way we thought that it was supposed to be. But God himself, he says here, and David says it, he's dealt bountifully with him. And he's dealt bountifully with us as well. And so I just think we need that perspective, right? We need to ask for the light to be able to see that and have this perspective. It's okay, right? It's okay to offer the complaint. It's okay to say, God, I don't understand. Like, this stinks, right? But then to go, where do I go with that? No, I go to God in prayer. I go to God in focus. I don't run away from him. I go to him. And then uh, we come to this place where we have to answer that question, who is your trustee? When we, we look at this last point, this is the salvation that David had, and he knew he had it. We have it too, and we have a much more clearer picture, by the way, because Jesus came a thousand years after David, and he died on the cross, and he was raised from the dead, and so we have that hope, and again, that he's going to return, and so we have this more clear picture, and I don't think we really grasp it until we go through difficulty, right? And if you're of any age in here, you've been through some difficulty, right? And I want to share just one story with you before we close I love origin stories and this whole like throwback music thing that we're doing. And um, I was looking at some hymns I thought that would go along with this. And the, the hymn I was looking at was, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And I won't sing it, okay? We don't have time. Maybe another day. Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. When I was looking at the story of that, it was written by an individual by the name of Louisa Stead. And the story behind it, like many hymns, many difficult situations, many trial, many trouble, is one of great growth in how God taught that person. And so in 1882, she wrote this story, but it came shortly after a really tragic day in their family's life. So Louisa and her husband and their daughter, they were uh, living on Long Island, and so they went to have a picnic on the bay. And as they were having a picnic on the bay, uh, they heard the screams of a young boy who had gotten into the water and gotten pulled out by the current. And so uh, Louisa's husband, the only thing he can do, right, he runs and he jumps in the water to try to save this boy. And what you think, uh, as I was reading, I was thinking, and he rescued him. It's not what happened. 
he couldn't get out of the water, and so they both drowned. And in 1882, things were a little bit different, too. So uh, women couldn't work, and so Louisa and her daughter uh, became basically destitute. They lost everything. Uh, and when basically they were down to like the last you know, food and water, um, the church answered that, that call, and they took care of them. And in the midst of that, she's got nothing, no one other than the church, which is enough to help take care of them. She wrote these words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" And so I would challenge you, maybe it's not in the seasons like everything's going super well, right? And we're blessed, right? We talked about that. Maybe the blessing is really in the difficulty that God allows so that we might turn to God and say, God, in this life, we really are going to have this living trust in you. That no matter what happens, and especially in the difficult times, we ask, we go to you, we ask for that light. God, help us to have that light so we can see the situation clearly. So when like other people are looking in at us and they go, and that's, that's really tough. That's really difficult. Uh, I don't know how you're doing that. And we just say, it's because we have this living trust in God. And he gives us this right perspective. And what we know is that he's preparing us. He's dealt with us bountifully. He's weaning us in this way that when we get to that next season of life, we go, oh, it all made sense, right? So that we might help somebody else. And I love the quiet time this morning too, and I'll close with this because I can keep talking about it. But in 2 Corinthians When Paul's talking about this comfort that we receive, he says the comfort's been given in a season of difficulty for a reason, so that you might comfort others, right? So this, this is why we go through this. This is why we experience hardship and difficulty in this life, that we might help other people and that we might ourselves see clearly, right? Because God wants us to grow. He wants us to come out of that phase of being a little baby, being weaned because he's dealt with us bountifully so that we might be able to help others and continue to grow together. And so maybe you're here today and you, like, you hear all that and you're going like, I would love to have like a living trust in God, but I just don't know him, right? And so maybe if you're listening online, if you're here in person and you don't know what that's about, what we believe here is that you can put your faith and trust in Jesus and this all makes sense, right? It doesn't mean that we don't struggle, but it makes sense. And so if you would admit uh, that you're a sinner, everybody is, I am, you are, maybe you haven't come to that place yet, we need to do that. And the second thing you need to do is believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for our sins. He was raised on that third day so that we might have eternal life. And then see, it's easy, A, B, C. See, confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life, and I promise you he'll change everything. And so uh, let me pray for us, and uh, then we will close, and I'll be here afterwards to talk to you if you'd like. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, this day, uh, for the time um, that you give us here. Uh, God, we're thankful for life um, and health and Family, we pray for those that are um, in still in difficult situations or suffering, those who um, are still sick or have become sick. We know this has been a, a scary season for a lot of people and still is. Uh, God, I just uh, I pray that you give us right perspective. As we walk through the difficulties, we walk through those terrible things in life, we, like David, we ask you for that. We know you've given us your loving kindness. It's not a question for us, but we ask for that light. Um, God, the light that you give us, to help us see clearly, to help the rest of the world look in at us and see that light. So not only we can see clearly, God, but, but the world that looks at us can see why things are different. And God, we pray that you'd turn our focus um, as we think on those things to the salvation that you've given us. David knew it. Help us to understand it and know that you've taken care of us, God. You've dealt with us um, certainly much better than we deserve. Um, help us to, in turn, turn around like um, what we read today, Uh, in the quiet time, um, like Paul, uh, knowing that difficulty will come. And God, you comfort us. Uh, You give that to us that we might comfort others, that we might lead others to you um, in the difficulties, in the tough times. Uh, We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
just as a reminder, we still uh, we, we put those discussion questions in the little handout. Uh, take it home, fold it up, prop it up on your table. Um, maybe have a conversation um, over a meal over the next week, okay? Uh, I love you guys. Have a great Sunday.